Hey guys, welcome back to Heart on the Mic. We are back and we are your hosts, Ness and Nod. Sorry if I sound a little bit rusty, but hey, can't blame me, right? We've been MIA, so, but we're here um, and we're here to bring you an episode as always. You know, we work hard to bring you good content. We don't just want to be throwing things out there that are meaningless or that don't, um, that don't uh, influence things that don't influence our life. So we're here and we have a special guest, right, Ness? Yes, her name is Hema. <laughs> Hema Garcia. Hema Garcia. She is hey. a former coworker turned friend, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But yeah, I met her about, what, five years ago now? Yeah. I met her at work about five years ago. She was in my department, and I had I, I had to train her, <laughs> and um, she was just always very, or is someone who's very just energetic, always smiling, goes with the flow, and doesn't take anything personal. So the first uh, real contact we had with each other, like conversation-wise, I guess, I was really rude to her. <laughs> I told her that I'm not at work to make friends, so don't expect me to become her friend. Oh, this is this is that friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with her personality, she just laughed it off and said, "Oh, okay," and then came back and talked to me the same exact with the same energy she brought when I first met her. She passed the she passed the test. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she thought it was funny, so. Yeah. But um, knowing her for the past five years. I just grew a respect for her real soon, seeing her hustle and her heart and just the way she carries herself. Um, Coming into work, she always came in professionally with a good head on her shoulders, and I would have never expected her, what she eventually shared with me, to be her background and to be her upbringing. So if you just want to hop right into that and just talk about a little bit about your background and say who you are, where you're from, or whatever that may be that you feel is special to to you, what makes you you. Yeah, so I just want to say that it's always, I always appreciate when you like... Don't cry. I'm not crying. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I always appreciate when you kind of say, you know, she's hardworking and she's, you know, when you just hype me up because I don't hear that too often. So whenever someone compliments me in that way, I'm like, I never see myself in that way. And I just always appreciate that. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I met Vanessa, I was living with my mom and my siblings and I was going through the struggle of trying to manage my finances or just learning how to manage my finances. I was going through a depression and a heartbreak and it was all just a very dark, dark place for me. So I just know, you know, I used to work with Yolanda and Vanessa. I started working with Yolanda first and um she was always very, both of them have always been very uh, uplifting and encouraging of whatever the situation may be. So I've always been grateful for that. Um, I, I was born here in California, San Clemente, California. Um, my parents were uh, happy for a few years and they eventually my dad just went down the wrong path and 
he managed to have four kids with my mother and at some, he was going in and out of jail. And at some point we just didn't have enough money to live where we lived. We were evicted from that place. Um, and then my mom decided that we were going to move to Mexico. And that is kind of where I feel the most impact has happened in my life because I don't actually remember a lot of my life before I moved to Mexico. I just remember that that's kind of where everything started where when I moved to Mexico. So I used to be a brat. I remember being a brat. I used to be a thief. I used to steal things from Target and Walmart. And then, you know, I couldn't do that in Mexico because my grandma was very old school and she would definitely spank me and not just like spank me, but you know, whatever she had handy. She would me or, you know. We know the Mexican grandmas. Yeah. We know they throw the chancla. They yeah. throw <laughs> it was rough. So it was a very humbling experience to grow up with someone that old school, I think. And um, I don't know. I just, uh, I know one of Vanessa's um, questions was, what is like one of your fondest memory? And this may make me cry, so just forewarning. But when I lived in Mexico, I used to help my grandma sell um, food. So I would sell fruits on the buses. I would go up on the bus and sell little fruit cocktails or whatever, and uh, not cocktails, salads. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> and I remember one time my aunt thought it would be really funny to... Um, prank me and I was home alone with my siblings so I was the oldest and there was my sister and my two brothers and they were still toddlers very young um, my aunt thought it would be funny to prank me she asked the bus driver to take off with me in the bus and um, when he did that I was freaking out because I was like oh no my grandma if she doesn't find out I'm home she's gonna kick you know my behind and I'm supposed to be taking care of my siblings and selling this fruit. What is going to happen to me? And the bus driver was very rude. And he's like, no, I told you to get off and you didn't listen. So now we're going this way. And and then he made a U-turn and they were all laughing at me. But when I came down the bus, my sister was waiting for me there. And she was like, no, Emma, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Let me help you finish selling the fruit so my grandma doesn't get mad. And just very like there for me. And I just remember that because when we lived in Mexico, I was so mean to my sister. And, um, but I always remember that. And I think I just keep that with me as she's always had my back regardless of the situation that we've been. No matter how mean yeah. of a big sister you were. <laughs> yeah, I used to be. Me. <laughs> when you when you were in Mexico, how old were you when you went? How old were you when you came back? And did your mom go with you guys? Um, when I moved to Mexico, I was in the second grade. So I think maybe oh, I was like six or grade. seven, whatever the age. She knows. How, how old are you in second grade? Well, yeah, I would say six <laughs> years old, I think. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. No. Second grade is like seven, eight. Yeah, you're right. So mm -hmm. I'm like, your kids in that grade? <laughs> well, I'm, I have kids in between, like first grade, third grade. So I'm like, what's in between there? <laughs> yeah. So 
that's how old I was. And then my mom, she took us to Mexico. She was with us for a few, maybe like a month because my younger brother was with us and he was a baby. So she took us in December and he was, he was born in October. So he must've been like, what, two months old? Yeah. So she was there with us and then she came back to the U.S. So... So she left you guys in Mexico for the remaining time with your grandma? Yeah. Do you remember how long that was? It was two years. Two years? Yeah. Not even months? Wow. And what was it like it went what was it like when you first got to Mexico? Were you fluent in Spanish? What was school like? What were the changes versus being in the United States to everybody saying you go to Mexico, it's different, the water's different. Like yeah. what was what was that adjustment like to you? Was it like a culture shock? Yeah, it definitely was. So I in the Everyone's really nice to you when you're like a like a guest in the beginning. You know what I mean? Um, so when I first moved there, everyone loved me for like the first, I don't know, two weeks. And then as time went by, my aunt, who we used to live next to, her kids were terrible. Like they were the biggest bullies I ever knew. Um, and I didn't speak any Spanish. So... They actually held me back a few months. They put me in first grade so I can learn how to speak Spanish, which I'm surprised because I don't remember, like, remembering how to speak English after, like, a month in the first grade. One of my best friends from here, she called me to say hi and see how I was doing, and I couldn't talk to her. And it, it must have been, like, a month or two since... You know, since we had moved to Mexico and I had, like, forgotten how to speak English. So that was was interesting for sure. So it was definitely hard to adjust. You're having to adjust to, like, you know, your family treating you differently. You're like, what is this going to look like? My mom's not here. You don't have that security, you know, and then you're thrown into school as well. So I'm sure that must be so intimidating at such a young age. And then like everything else, I'm sure that, you know, you're, you're moving to Mexico was kind of in a way for your mom to be able to help you guys. But it also turned in, I mean, you're saying you had to help your grandma sell fruit, you know, so in a way, it's like you were kind of helping your family survive in their in their life you know like in whatever their situation was too so it's it's oddly enough you go from one situation to another but your whole world was like flipped as well yeah in regards like culture and like emotionally like what what was that like you know um I again I there are certain things that I've blocked out I don't remember so much of When I think of when I lived in Mexico, I don't remember about, I don't remember how I used to feel. I just remember like experiences. So, you know, like I've mentioned, um, living with my grandma was very humbling. I was very intimidated by her. There were, I had to like tiptoe or walk on eggshells, if you may, like, because I never knew when I would make her upset. She would just snap at me randomly. Um, I... I just remember the nice things. And I guess, you know, that that memory of my sister meeting me at the end of the bus, but everything else, I just remember like it being bad, but I don't remember how I used to feel, which is 
kind of something I've been trying to see if is it is that something I need to uncover in myself sounds like, like childhood trauma yeah I know like do I have I let it go or have I like buried it in my yeah. memory like I I can't remember I don't know how to approach that yeah, it's the most yeah. stuff, or at least people can see it as like a blockage to where you yeah. haven't unpacked that type of stuff. Yeah. But like even saying how tough your grandma was on you, was she like that with you and all your siblings or mostly with you because you were the eldest, even though you were seven or eight years old, she expected you to yeah. lead and take care of them. Um, She was actually, she was like that with me only because... Um, I was the oldest. So she was the oldest of eight kids. And she would always tell me, when I was like this age, I helped my mom do this. I helped my mom do that. And it's like that, again, um, she's very old school. She didn't go to school. I think she only went to school to the fourth grade just to learn learn how to write and um, do math. Um, So I think she kind of just had that same expectation for me. You know, I was the oldest. I needed to help her take care of the siblings. I needed to help her cook and do all these things that I just, I was not really, um, you know, I'm like living my best life in 2020. I was not that person then. (laughs) I'm still like, I don't know. I'm more responsible now, but when you're a kid, what do you like, you don't want to be giving all these responsibilities. Responsibility. Yeah, you obviously don't, like, want to have those expectations placed over your head where you don't even know what what responsibility is, you know, yeah. as a kid. You, all you know is to play, to be happy. But obviously, you you had to step up and care for your siblings. So that's, that's definitely, I feel like, you know, a tough thing on a seven, eight-year-old shoulder to think, like, my parents not here and I have to respond to my grandma, who's sometimes like great, and sometimes she's just like, I don't know what I'm gonna get, you know. So, I I, I hear you on that. Yeah. Like you ever resented your mom growing up for sending you to Mexico, oh. or even while you were there? Like, yeah. what was that like? Would she call and mm-hmm. hang up on her? Yeah. Would she not even call? Like, what was all that like? So when my mom moved us to Mexico. Um, I thought it was going to be okay. You know, I didn't really think it was going to be two years. years. <laughs> wow. um, so when she would call me, she was like, we'd call, we would talk on the weekends and we had to go to a, it's called a caseta, which is, I don't know. It's like a place where they have all these phone booths and you can mm-hmm. make long distance calls. So we'd always go there on the weekends and I'd call my mom and we would chat. And I was always so happy to hear from her. But it is interesting because Definitely. Once we moved back, that was just, it changed. Everything changed. And uh, I did resent my mom a lot. I Well, I would assume it changed. Be- well, obviously it would change because, not one, she's a mom. She's a single woman now for mm-hmm. two years without kids, just making money to do what she can to save mm-hmm. for you guys to come back. Mm-hmm. And you guys are coming back to someone who sent you guys away without a time frame. Yeah. So it's like your respect is out the window. Her sense of that type of responsibility may have been like shifted to when she comes back, she goes from zero kids to four kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's insane. So talking about being back, what did that look like for you besides your relationship with your mom and stuff? Like integrating back into school. 
Did you have a hard time speaking English? Yeah. Like what? Um, so when we moved back, uh, we moved back and I went back to the school that I used to go to before I moved to Mexico. And I was so excited because I was going to catch up with my friends and, you know, we're all going to be happy again. And it was going to be so cool. I, I was growing up before I moved to Mexico. We lived in Aliso Viejo which um, that place is like super bougie and has super expensive. You can't really, you gotta be like. It's uh, South County. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't like, be Latino living in, in there. Yeah. So I remember when I got there, the first thing I did was try to find the girl that was my best friend at the time. And I was like trying to talk to her and I'm like, Madison, her name was Madison or is Madison. Uh, Hope she's doing well. And I'm like, Madison, dude, like trying to talk to her and I'm all talking to her in Spanish. And she's like, sorry, I don't, I don't understand what you're telling me. And it was, it was really sad. Um, my mom was, you know, a single mom. So she's, she was doing the same thing that she was doing before we moved to Mexico. And the same thing that my grandma was doing, which is giving me the responsibility of helping her bring up my siblings. So That was hard because I'm still a child. I thought I was moving back home for good and it was going to be all nice and easy. And then my mom's like, no, me tienes que ayudar. You have to help me with this and you have to help me with that. So I think, you know, she likes to remind me of this. I don't remember. Again, I suppressed so many memories, <laughs> but she's like, you know, when we first came back from Mexico, you used to help me. You used to wake up and you used to give your brothers breakfast and you used to help Sophie get ready for school and you were so gentle with her and you take her to the bus stop and you would help her because she has like she had anxiety going up and you know she didn't know how to speak English either so it was new for her as well and I don't remember that she does but I don't remember that and you think you came back in like a routine mode because you did all that in Mexico yeah. you just came back yeah. to do the same thing yeah Um, everything did change though because we were in Elisa Viejo for a few months I can't remember but it was summer and the way they do school in Elisa Viejo is they do like I don't know like two months on track uh, three weeks off I don't know so when we when we moved away from Elisa Viejo it was summer and so when we moved to Anaheim I thought it was still summer but they have the regular school that I guess the school year where it's like For five months, you have to be in school, and then you have like the two months off. I don't know. I haven't been in school two months off for summer, yeah. and then you have to go back in the fall. So that was a little surprising as well. Yeah. So, what was it even like moving from South County to Anaheim? It was interesting. You have funny stories about that. <laughs> yeah. So when I moved from Aliso Viejo to Anaheim, I still couldn't speak English that well, but Anaheim. They have a lot of Hispanic, um, Latino people there. So I I learned how to speak Spanglish. And <laughs> my friends at that time, they were little cholitas, like little wasters. And they made <laughs> fun of me for being super girly. And I guess the only way that I could maybe be their friends was if I was more like tough. And so I wanted to be a chola. Like, I really wanted to be a chola. I love the look, you know, like the eyebrows penciled in and the lip liner. I, I wanted to be that. Um, my mom took us out of Anaheim. Once you started yeah. trying to be that? Well, yeah. 
we was I was there for like four or three years, and then uh, we moved to Tustin. But um, yeah, it was. She was like, "No, could you imagine if you would have stayed in it?" She still tells me, "If you would have stayed in Anaheim, you probably have a kid right now, and you probably be this and that." And I'm like, "Mom, you know, it's like." Come on. Mom, it was a phase. Yeah. It was a phase. <laughs> I didn't ever shave my eyebrows. I mean, they're actually pretty long right now. So, <laughs> so she took the girl out of the hood. <laughs> yeah, she took the girl out of the hood. But <laughs> but you kept your hoop earrings. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing them today, yes. <laughs> wow. So, so your relationship with your mom, I want to ask this personally because I, I'm, I'm going to share a little bit of about my mom, um, she actually left my sister and my brother, my eldest um, siblings in Mexico for a year as well. Mm-hmm. And um, my my sister has actually never been able to, I don't know, there's damage in the relationship, but they've never been able to like, to reconciliate that like since my mom left her at such a young age, I believe she was two years old. So, I mean... If you're a, if you have those feelings, you know, at your age, I can only imagine for my sister who was a two year old, but um, they still have trouble. You know, my sister's like in her late thirties now, and they still have trouble with their relationship. They don't talk. They don't really. Um, they their views are completely different on things, and I think the root issue, like it always comes back to, I feel like there's resentment there because my mom left. So I just want to ask you, like, in regards to the resentment, if there was any or like those hard feelings, like, how does it look like working through those things um, and your relationship with your mom? Um, So there definitely was a lot of resentment Um, in high school. I think I had the hardest time with her because I just I could never talk with her. We would Mm -hmm get into it would get physical I never hit her I never hit my mom but she would definitely corner me against the wall and you know she like point her fist at me and just say I'm gonna knock your teeth out if you keep talking to me that way so it's very um toxic yeah Yeah. very toxic abusive and so I I always found myself you know like wondering why why can't we get along and um as now that I'm older, uh, before I get into now that I'm older, my sister had a baby two years ago. And uh, when she was giving birth to my nephew, she received a call from this person who, in my opinion, is not very important. And I, I was very upset by that because my sister was giving birth and my, like, I could see it, you know, my nephew was on his way out and my mother just decided to take this this call from someone who was uh, not very important. My sister was like, please don't leave. Like she asked her, don't leave. And my mom was like, oh, I'll be right back. It's going to be really quick. Don't worry. She goes. I mean, luckily my nephew was taking his time, but um, that was kind of like the time when my mom, when I just, my breaking point. Because we, we've always been on the edge, but that's kind of like when she threw me off. I was yeah. done. I After that, I didn't talk to my mom for like a year. I didn't talk to her for a year. And every time she tried to talk to me, it was just like, 
you don't see what I see. You don't understand me and we're never going to get along because I don't understand you either. But, you know, a lot of that stuff, I think, in my opinion, is projection, right? Because when I think about where I was or I think about my mom and I'm like, why don't I like her? Why don't we get along? What's the problem with her? And it's like, well, what's your problem? What's what's my problem, you know? And I started thinking about the similarities and where I have failed as maybe a human, not necessarily as a daughter, because I think I've been a great daughter. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just like, where are my faults? And how can I embrace them? And how can I forgive my mom for being this person? Because she's never going to change. I don't I don't want to say it like there's no hope, but there are some people who are set in their ways and there's nothing you can do about that except accepting them. And and we work so hard. Sometimes, I mean, you see somebody you want to help and you want to show them the way, but there's nothing you can do to show somebody what you see. You can lead the horse to water, but you cannot make the horse drink the water, right? Like the effort is within us. And if you have the will, you will see it. And if you don't have the will, then you just need to accept that because we need, we need to keep growing. So my mom, if she wants to be stuck, set in her ways, that's fine. But I'm going to keep growing. I love her. I'm going to be there for her and I'm going to support her and I forgive her. You know, there are so many times where I didn't know how it was going to work out between us. But I mean, we talk now, you know, we we've never actually fully addressed the problem because when it comes down to it, I know she's probably going to disagree with me and it's going to happen again. We're probably not going to talk for a long time. I just don't want to go through that anymore. So that's just... How I feel. <laughs> I feel like that's not I feel that is obviously a huge sign of maturity from you to even be able to recognize and accept the fact that you and your mom have two different perspectives and she's not someone based off of her track record who's willing to fold and admit places where she could show improvement and honestly failed you as a mother yeah and not to sound mean or to put your mom down and like I've told you before like when we first started working together um just learning more and more about you you were always struggling Mm -hmm. like you were always having to you know pay something and this happening and this happening and knowing you know working together and having an idea that you know we both made decent money I was I I was honest with you I was like you know what's going on why do you have so much financial struggle and your thing was always like oh I'm helping my mom and helping my family you know my mom asked me for this again my sister asked me for this Mm -hmm. and you know sibling love is sibling love but I even was blunt with you one day and I don't know if you remember the conversation but I was like hey like you need to take a step back and let your mom do what she has to do because she's taking advantage of you. Yeah. And sadly enough, like you have been a crutch to your mom her whole life, mm-hmm. even though she didn't have your dad or anybody to help raise you guys. Mm-hmm. She always knew that if she didn't come through, that you would come through for 
her and for your siblings. Yeah. So it's cool to see that growth in you as well to be like, I love you, but I'm going to love you at a distance because you're not going to take advantage of me anymore. Yeah. So um, it's interesting that you say that. And I think um, thinking about one of your questions is that when you're like your mom's taking advantage of you. Yeah, I didn't see it like that. I definitely was a little blind, like blindsided by that because, you know, when you grow up in a single parent household, or at least the way that, or even in the culture, yeah, in the culture, the way I've been told is like, well, you're the oldest, you have to help, you know, you need to do this, and you're kind of just like, okay, well, that's 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 what I'm being told, that's what I'm doing, you know. So when I I do remember when you said that to me, I was like, oh yeah. She is taking it. <laughs> yeah. and, not, and not to take away from you yeah. because we're both off for, you know, helping people out and lending a helping hand. Mm-hmm. But just seeing like, sorry, I'm going to put you on blast oh, a bit. Worry. Like it's fine. seeing you saying like, you know, I'm behind on my car payment and I'm behind on my tags and this and that. Like <laughs> I was upset for you. Like this girl can afford that. Like yeah. I know she can, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And it was all because you were putting your parent, your mom before your mom's needs before your needs. Yeah. And like even what couch surfing at one point because yeah. you were literally putting money in her pocket from your paycheck. And I'm like, yeah. no. And, and that is the culture though you know, is that, you know, you're the oldest or you take care of your family always. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't teach us boundaries. Yeah. You know, a lot of households don't have that to where they know we're like, Hey, I need to put my foot down more. So it's like, no, you can't put your foot down because your parents or whoever's older than you has the last day you respect them. You don't argue back. Yes. But like you, I'm so proud to see that you learned that. And you're like, your accomplishment like mm. this past last year was yeah. like you paid your car off like, that was a big deal off. for yeah. you because <laughs> you were behind on that car note and like hey I don't want them to come you know take my car or whatever yeah. and that was always something that you constantly struggled with so even those little victories it's proof that you put your foot down with your mom and was just like snip snip Adios. bye yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that because you know it just shows like the resilience where you can take things and and take them into a total different direction where you could have come back and lived all of this experience and habit had just thrown you into the same pattern of, you know, your mom's lifestyle. But it sounds to me like you took that and you turned it into something like completely different. And it might have taken some time to open your eyes up to these things and have those conversations with friends that open your perspective up. But at least, you know, that's the same, like you had a car payment and you had things going for yourself, but your mom was, you know, you're, you were being a crutch for your mom. So you are trying to work for yourself. You are trying to, you know, build that life for yourself that maybe your mom um, wasn't able to secure for you and you want that security for yourself. But yet, like you're still dragging along that burden that you've had all your childhood you know, but you, it sounds to me like you've just been able to like overcome that and all the emotions and all the like drama that you might have lived and you've had those boundaries and you've had like them overstepped to the point where you're like, I know the, that these are the things I grew up on, but I also know that I have to come to a point where of like self-worth, self-respect, like, you know, even when it comes to parents, sometimes we end up parenting them, you yeah. know, like in a lot of situations, the kids, the kids end up being the, the parent, you know, like 
to the to the parent themselves because they they don't know how to how to function for themselves you know so man like I don't know what I would do if I was in your shoes but I'm so glad to hear that you like paid off your car and that you're having accomplishments and like that's what it's all about you know yeah what I was gonna say too and then the opening question Nadia had for you Mm -hmm. before we were off on the record like the thing that you said that stuck out to me was victimization like somebody in your shoes I know people who have been in similar shoes as you to basically they were neglected by their their mom and grew up without a dad and they're still leading a life of victimization Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. your time even though you said you went through depression and you were in a dark place and bad places like you decided you didn't want that for yourself you processed it and you turned your life around and and you are doing more for yourself right now, even if it's all just what may sound like quote unquote basics to people, you had to learn all of that on your own because your mom never showed you that. You yeah. had to learn how, to, when I, when Nadia was thinking about you re, being resilient too, not to sound corny, but you literally had to learn how to love yourself because your yeah. mom never like did that for you. And I can say mm-hmm. that to know you, but yeah. it's just, I couldn't imagine to not, to grow up not having that, knowing how like my mom is and my parents are. It's just crazy that people have to get through that. And that's what it comes down to. They have to, they have to decide to want more for themselves Mm -hmm. or to become adults that are acting like broken kids their whole life. Yeah. So it's like, it's inspiring to see that you've decided to make that difference. And now I'm sure you're such have always been but even more now that your sister's a mom she probably I'm sure she looks up to the way you carry yourself or the way you handle the situations with your mom when you guys don't get along or whatever she does that is just off in ways you're even teaching your sister how to be a mom you know Mm -hmm. and things like that so those are the type of thoughts I have when I think of all that stuff and since day one I've always known you've been a hustler even you sharing with us your first job. I'm like, okay, this girl wasn't let any, letting anything stop her from making her money and trying yeah. to help provide for her family. You know, like you did what you had to do since day one yeah. and still are. Um, you know, I just want to say um, from that is that it's not easy mm-hmm. to get to a point where like you have to learn to like love yourself. For me, it was a rude awakening because I was, um, after DDI, I mm-hmm. became a live-in nanny and uh, I've worked with this woman who, I think she's very, um, she's very honest. She's very blunt. blunt and she's not cold. She's definitely like nurturing and, you know, caring and all that, but um I think the time when I realized like I really needed to change my pace was when she she said something to me. We we were actually having a difficult time and she was like telling me, you know, how she had maybe expressed to some of her coworkers that she didn't really know if her nanny was gonna be anything and like successful and then she she said it and it sounds cold and mean but she didn't mean it like that I know it (laughs) because it changed me but um you know she's like you know the difference between you and me is that I'm a leader and you are a follower and to be a leader you have to make 
you know, moves and you kind of just wait to be told what to do. And that was one of the things that was like, um, it really hurt my feelings. I was a little humiliated by that, but it was, it was like, I'm so mean. <laughs> it's okay. I, it's, it is like, um, you're, you're speaking to me right now. Cause I'm like, man, am I a follower? I haven't been, I haven't been leading oh, much. I, been much. I just, I just laughed cause you're like, it really hurt my feelings. And you say it with a smile. I'm what, looking at your eyes, waiting for you to cry. And you're just laughing. I'm like, okay, I'm go. Okay, go. My, my <laughs> feelings, my feelings are hurt for you. <laughs> what can I say? You know, it's, it's a little shady, yes. But <laughs> the thing about this is that she, like, the, when she met me, she met me at that time when I was, like, a dark, super, like, place. lost, you know? And it's like, um, you know, how I was saying earlier in Mexico, when I arrived in Mexico, you know, you're a guest and people are really nice to you. And so I want to I wanna describe it in that way because... For the first year, you know, her it was like really chill. Like she was like my homegirl, and we were cool, and we drink wine every night, and we talk, and it was nice. But then, you know, I guess at some point, maybe I started slacking, and it was something that was affecting her. And um, you know, I'm given this great opportunity, and I should really live up to that opportunity. Like I shouldn't make the most of it and, and maybe you know when you have an opportunity show show up mm-hmm. and uh, when she called me out I was like oh snap you know like I'm not a victim anymore she doesn't I hate to say it in this way that's not how I see it now or how I saw it then but it's kind of like I was a victim and she called me out on it because I don't have to be a victim like she didn't want to pity you. Yeah. She's seen you for more than where yeah. you came from. So, uh-huh. so when I'm saying like she she called me out and it sounds really cold. Yeah, it's cold, but I'm not a victim. And yeah, it, it, sometimes it takes that mm-hmm. to understand like you're more than that. Well, that's what we always talk about too. Better yeah. the wound of a friend than the kiss of an enemy. Yeah. In the Bible, it is what it is. Like, yeah. Better to get the honest truth from somebody and have a hard pill to swallow mm-hmm. than to be in la la land and thinking everything's all fine and dandy while everybody's in the fast track and you're broken down in the car, yeah. like in the side of the road. Like, yeah. you need that yeah. to tell you the truth. And, like, one thing that struck me, you talking about that, is that it comes. It correlates to your upbringing. I don't want to say it comes down to because yeah. it decides on your actions, but that lines up with your upbringing because your whole life you've been told, "Hema, do this. Hema, take care of your siblings. Hema, mm-hmm. give me this money. Hema, do that." So all you've known is like, "Okay, give me the list of to do, and I'll do it. Yeah. I'll meet those expectations." But when you finally had the free time. And, you know, those, those cords were literally cut. You cut your mom off. You didn't have anybody to demand things from you. So you're like, all right, I'm chilling, <laughs> you know, and yeah. that, that's just, that's, I don't know. Yeah. But she, she also, you know, spoke to your potential and, and that that's what it takes sometimes, you know, to, like you said, you had that rude awakening, you know, because when we don't have people 
I mean, thankfully, she said it. It's not about what you say and how you say it. And she said it in a way that you were able to take it to heart and not take it in a bad way and just like kind of analyze it over yourself. And you're like, you know what? Like, you're you're kind of right. You know, like if if I want to be a leader, like I need to take control of, of my life, whether it's me working for you or taking control of other areas in my life. Like that was just like a groundbreaking thing for you. And I think it like solidified, like it helps you plant your feet when you have realizations like that, like of your potential. It helps you like stay firm in that. Like even when little things like that come, you know, little like bumps at work or uh, school situations, family situations, like it could be different for anyone, but we have to learn to take those little cues that people give us sometimes and like take them for the better and not for the worse because we could be so critical over ourselves too. And, and like, you didn't have a pity party, you know, you mm-hmm. took that and you, and you ran with it. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. definitely was not something that I was- <laughs> Hey, but looking <laughs> into her and her senior potential, Like your guys' relationship already existed when you were at a job where you were unhappy. Mm -hmm. Then you happened to go through a layoff in that position and her see you in that dark place. That goes into speaking about, again, how hard you work. You were working full time at an office job while right after work, getting off of work to go nanny for her. Yeah. And then it ended up to, you know, going through that layoff. You ending up becoming a live-in nanny and figuring that out while you were there. But because she's seen your potential, she's a woman of a good position. Now you're working at the firm that she works at. Like that speaks into like how much she believes in you as well. Like you went from this to this, to being her nanny, to like being here and having that relationship and a positive woman in your life that is able to lead you and show you and even love on you in a different way as far as her allowing you to have shelter in her house Mm -hmm. like that brings so much even um security to you because that's something you've never had stable knowing you a place to live yeah like and she's granted that to you even though you still got to pay your dues and do what you got to do living there like I'm glad you have her yeah because we've talked so many times even about the differences in her like political views versus Mm -hmm. yours like how she is versus how you are but like being able to cohabitate with somebody so different than you also shows how willing you are to like learn and progress and stuff because you live in Irvine mm-hmm. and yeah. <laughs> that's just a whole different culture than you and it's sounds yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you being able to work at like a company where it's majorly like yeah. white people yeah and just not even to make it about race, but literally different from what you grew up knowing to being able to say, hey, I have different views than almost my whole firm, but I'm still going to stick out, stick it out here and be able to be like a mature adult about the differences that we have and stuff like that. So kudos to you for, for allowing the whole situation to grow you and to receive every opportunity she has given you or not even given you, but like thrown at you yeah to nibble at and see if you're gonna run with it you run with all of them yeah yeah I'm definitely very um sometimes I feel like I I feel like I'm not doing enough sometimes I'm like am I taking this for granted where am I slacking off at least I feel like it's made me more aware Mm -hmm. of who I can be and how much I can grow and try so I'm always like "Ah," like freaking out about that but 
Um, I know I've always known, like I had moved out of her house for a year and then I moved back in. Yeah. And I told her like when we moved, when I moved back in, like keep it real with me because maybe it hurts, but that's what I need. Mm-hmm. I don't need like no sugar coating. I don't need no like, it's okay. You know, I need real. Mm-hmm. And it, it has definitely, I feel like helped me grown a lot. And, and people see it. I don't. I don't see it in myself. Like, I, I have to really reflect and be like, oh, wow, yeah, like, that used to be me. But when, like, you pointed out, you know, I was talking to my cousin a few days ago, and he was telling me, and he's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, people see it. And I'm I'm impressed by that, you know, like, how much I've, I guess I've grown. <laughs> You've grown a lot. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm like I'm I'm trying to take it all in, but I just um like I don't know, I'm just I love hearing these stories. Like this is what we live for, you know, and it's so crazy because I I wish that um my sister was as resilient because she's kind of like on the other end of this where she has become a victim. You know, and I always ask myself, like, what can, what conversation can I have with her um, to get to a point where she lets go of that resentment? Because I feel like that's held her back so much in her life that I I know the potential she has. I know she's a resilient person. I've seen her overcome things and she doesn't see those things in herself. But I know also, like, these are conversations that need to be had, you know, and Thankfully, you you have Ness that was in your, you know, came into your life. And it's like no coincidence. We always believe like that the people God places in our life, like they're there for a reason, whether it's for us to help them or for them to teach us something. But we don't take those relationships for granted. So I'm like so happy like that you and Ness have each other. And that's like a blessing in itself. But it definitely makes me reflect on like my relationship with my sister because I'm sure she's in that place of thought too, you know, um, of those, those same struggles that you had to go through. So that definitely like makes me think, um, into her, into her situation and kind of like, um, having a little bit more empathy, I think for what she's gone through, because there's those things that people don't talk about. And there's probably those feelings that she hasn't expressed and, you know, you, thankfully you, you're, you're on the way, you're on that path to figuring that out and you're, you're, you're doing it, you know, but for so many other people out there that don't speak out on these things, it's like, you're still choked up about it. And that's what holds people back, you know? So we, we talk about the importance of communicating and sharing our stories because they are important because they do help people. You know, even me, like I wasn't in in those shoes, but at least I'm able to reflect like into my life and say like, okay, I I see where this can help, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What it makes me think of too, I guess, um, not a, what it makes me think of is the place you were in when I met you, like initially you came off as you are, you know, this hardworking person who's just always happy and in a good mood. And then getting to like know you under the surface, you were struggling with a lot, you were depressed, you were just unhappy and lost. You didn't have a sense of guidance or direction. 
And um, all that to say that those things that were causing you to be depressed and stuff, you were doing what you needed to do to not put you in the shoes to be struggling the way that you were struggling. But going back to your mom, not having that boundary with her created that like sense of lack of self-worth and I'm not doing anything for myself when it's the truth you weren't. Mm -hmm. So I feel like even from your story, like my takeaway too, and my reminder too, is that like, you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. can, obviously in your story, based off of what your upbringing and what you've gone through. But when you're giving everything that you have to something else, it's going to leave you in a very bad, dark place if there's no boundaries. Mm -hmm. So like my encouragement through this is to remember how important boundaries are. Yeah. Because in a sense, you had it all going on. You had a good job. You already had a car. You had everything that you needed to be able to be a young, independent woman on your own. But it just wasn't happening. And you're kept wondering, like, why does this keep happening to me? And sometimes people can have that mindset when in reality, it's because you're not prioritizing yourself mm-hmm. and you're not stepping enough for you, stepping up and speaking for yourself because you're just being someone's doormat. Yeah. So it's just like so important to be self-aware. Like yeah. you were saying, your self-awareness increased mm-hmm. and it made a difference in who you are today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other questions? No, I just was thinking if there was anything we uh, didn't touch on that you feel like is really important that you want to share. Yeah, so I think one thing that, like, one thing that I also want to add to this is um, self-love. You know, um, when I was going through the reflection of why can't I get along with my mom, I realized that it's because, you know, the way my mom grew up, and she was uh, inheriting to us, her mindset is that she always felt the need to be saved by someone, which goes back to the victimization aspect of you, you can't do anything by yourself. You always need someone to be there, you mm-hmm. know, like pushing you through. And I think, you know, um, after high school, my mom and I were, you know, going at it I was dating a boy um he was actually kind of a man but not really anyway (laughs) and I think when I was in before high school ended I was um kind of like in the process of saying I can't wait to be 18 so that I can move in with this guy and he can save me from my mom and you know like I was kind of settling for that guy too because he wasn't the best thing for me. He was always someone who was constantly putting me down. Um, so during the times that I, we broke up, him and I broke up because I realized like, I don't need this, you know? But still during that, uh, from 2011, I want to say to maybe 2017, which is like the whole dark aspect of it is, I was still in that process of thinking, I need to be saved. Like, I need someone to, you know, like, be there for me. And that's one of the things that I learned that I don't like about my mom. So, I mean, I accept her now. But um, maybe don't, when, when when you're growing, you have to learn to 
be alone and love yourself. And you cannot expect people to help you heal your wounds and help you um, help you be someone that you can't be like you for can't yourself. be for yourself. Like you have to be able to be comfortable in your own skin, yeah, or else you will be codependent. Yes, and teach your kids to be codependent. Yeah, and yes. it's it's just something that it, it's a cycle that that go that continues if you don't stop it so um I, I think that's maybe like one last thing that I just wanted to maybe touch on is yeah be your own be independent <laughs> or yeah even we all know just because we learn a way of being and are taught a way and brought up away doesn't mean it's the right way. Mm-hmm. And the part of us growing up and becoming true adults is realizing, hey, I was shown this growing up and it really benefited who I am today and made me who I'm today. But these are things that I don't want to take with me as an adult because it's not healthy. Yeah. And I've even had that conversation with my sister recently, like, hey, I, I realize I'm like this when I'm upset because this is what I've seen, but yeah. I know there's a better way to go about it being mm-hmm. an adult, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that's some good stuff. All right. Well, since that's all for the three of us, to end on a, a lighter note, I know you've been able to do your share of traveling. Yeah. So <laughs> what has been your favorite travel destination and why? Um... There are two things. So one place I haven't actually been to that I okay. want to go to, but the first place that I've been to um, more recently is um, Oaxaca. I've been to Oaxaca, Hawaii, and China. But Oaxaca was very special to me because when I lived in Mexico, I didn't get a chance to go anywhere else but just live in the place that I lived at. So going to a different state and just seeing how everything is there it was really magical, you know, and it, it was a really, I was there for a day and a half. Um, I learned a lot about mezcal, which is like a really nice drink to have. If you know, <laughs> if you know what I really love it. I thought um, that was a place. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and then, <laughs> so that was really nice. And then the, the streets were you know, Mexico is kind of unsafe in certain places, but I could walk anywhere by myself and it was just fine. And I didn't do a lot of walking because I was there for a day and a half, but still it was such a nice place. And I want to go back. I want to go back. And where's your travel, de- where's your desired destination then that you were talking about? Um, I want to go to Italy because I watched a long time ago I watched this movie called Under the Tuscan Sun I don't know if you guys seen it but it's like this love novel movie where this woman just you know goes through a heartbreak and she flies to Italy and completely changes her life so I remember being in high school watching this movie and I'm like I'm gonna do that I'm gonna go to (laughs) Italy and I'm gonna change my life so it's always been my I don't know if I'm going to change my life when I go there but I want to <laughs> just see you know um what it's all about because it looks really nice the like roads the trees everywhere the like kind of like what she she was in a vineyard okay so she like 
just changed everything of the place where she was at and it looked so beautiful afterwards. So it's just a really nice um, place that I want to go visit. One so if any of you guys want to go to Italy and don't have anyone to go with, yeah, hit me up. Hit up Emma <laughs> and Nadia. Yeah. Um, she's open to traveling with strangers, oh. honestly. <laughs> she really is. Um, she stayed in hostels and oh, things yeah, like that. She She's just about the travel fun. Mm-hmm. So hit her up if you want someone yeah, to travel with. But thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks and for recording having me. with us and just allowing it to just be a fun, interesting, and very informative interview. Um, I'm glad Nadia got to meet you on the note that I know you on and lo- know a little bit more about you. Um, mm-hmm. But with that being said... This is Heart on the Mic, and this is Nod's Nuts, and not, uh, oh my gosh, Hema. <laughs> Hema. Hema. Checking out. Yes. We hope that you guys enjoyed the episode. If you have any questions, feel free to send a DM. If you want to get a hold of Hema, you feel like you could relate to her. I know she's very open to having any conversations. Yeah. So um, you can find her on Instagram. It's Hema is a G <laughs> so Hema is a G um, you can DM her and just say you heard her on Heart on the Mic and we can even uh, tag you somehow yeah, on our yeah, page um, but same for us too we're always open to feedback DM us or email us get us on Anchor with a voicemail whatever it is we can get you in touch with Hema thank you so much for listening sorry it's been a while since we recorded <laughs> and last 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 thing for real Thank you for being a faithful listener because when I asked you, you didn't even say, I don't know what I'm going to say, like, because you listened so religiously to us that you knew how it went and, and it showed obviously just (laughs) with today. So I appreciate you supporting us and being a listener who we're interviewing. So this is it guys. See you next time. Bye.